It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt here with Mike Kay at Novacare Complex in Philadelphia. Latest episode of the No Huddle Show. Um, the Eagles are coming off a win. They did not make any major moves at the trade deadline. You know, we Excuse both, me. We, we both, Excuse me. Say, we both predicted they would trade for Gennard Avery. Like, yeah, clearly. Knew, was, like, we both knew, he was on my list of 35 players. Pass rushing perfection here. Um, when you can go and get a guy that only played five snaps this year, you got to do it. You, you got to <laughs> do it. You know what? <laughs> the rest of the general managers in the league said, you hate to see it yeah. because. What a disappointing like trade deadline in general, though. Well, you know what's weird is uh, I, I listened to the ESPN folks try to like justify yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. trade thing because there were so many big trades that happened before the trade deadline. Yeah. But when you really think about it, too, when you're up against the gun and you have to make a split decision and it could be the difference between trading away a future asset that's important and acquiring a Golden Tate again, you know, I, I can understand it. Um, that said, No. They should have made a trade. Yeah. I mean, look, Deshaun Jackson looks like he's probably going to return. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but I still don't think he's enough. No. If you watch Rece- week... Receiver's the main position where I'm like, you had to get somebody. If you watch week one, they really didn't get going until like midway through that second quarter, and that was mainly because of Deshaun, but you can't start off slow in this league and expect Every to win. <laughs> and so I felt like... Man, Matt Collins is upgradable. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside's not even getting into games. Nelson Aguilar hasn't really performed at a high level, or even a, even a mediocre level, really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this team has Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, and now Deshaun Jackson. And four weapons with, with is... Miles Sanders potentially out, by the way. Right. So he's, got a sh- one he's got a shoulder. I was going to save it for later, <laughs> Zach. Um, but People need to know. And that's why you're seeing this team... Uh, becoming a run first team. This team is better when they run the football effectively. It's just, that is what it is. And I think having Deshaun Jackson, even as a decoy helps you because safeties move away from the box because they have to help in coverage. And Jordan Howard, I got to tell you, I told everybody last week on the pod, this was the time to run Jordan Howard. I said it before the Packers game. This is the time to run Jordan Howard. Um, they don't have a choice. Now. This game is the game that not only do you run it with Jordan Howard, you create some really special plays for Jordan Howard. As far as you know, maybe you do a couple of uh, you know, you do some pre-snap movements. You you really try to get him isolated on a linebacker and let him run him over. I think I think this offensive line is going to be very excited for this game because. You've got a guy like Khalil Mack who's going to rush the passer 
Leonard Floyd's a pretty good pass rusher too. And I think that Doug Peterson's very smart against aggressive teams, and he will take advantage of that with screens and and runs up the middle, uh, delayed handoffs. So to segue from that, at the trade deadline, they really needed to find a pass a pass catcher. The problem is they're stuck with being a run first team, and I don't know if that's necessarily what this team wants to be. Yeah, I don't think it was built necessarily to be that. Um, that said, when you have Brendan Brooks playing the way he's playing, like, and so so I I tweeted this half jokingly, but also kind of believe it too. I feel like the Patriots purposely overpaid for Muhammad Sanu just to ruin the wide receiver market. I think it's fair if you really look at it. Because like I would rather. Like I, I would rather the Eagles have traded for Robbie Anderson than Muhammad's new, but you're not trading a second round pick for Robbie Anderson, and that's what apparently, according to Adam Schefter, that's what the Jets and Joe Douglas were demanding, which makes me think maybe they want to bring him back next year. Yeah, um, could I, don't, be. I don't know why else you would keep him around when this team is going no. The Jets, that is, are going nowhere. He seemed um, to be excited to re-returning. He posted a thing from yeah, Wolf of Wall yeah, Street. Yeah, that seems to be like the thing now. Yeah, there's somebody else that did that too. Um, uh, but. Like like I so I wrote about this like I, it's it's fair to point out that like all the guys that they reportedly were tied to the teams that had them were just not trading them away for a reasonable value the, the bad teams like played this deadline so strangely like oh, what do you it's the whole compensatory thing that we've talked about on this podcast quite a bit where like you're you're planning for something that's not guaranteed not even this this next draft the one after that so like. These re- like the Dolphins are doing it right in terms of just trying to get as many draft picks. They basically paid like four million dollars to take Akib Talib's contract and also get a fifth round pick out of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think, <clears throat> at least from my perspective, I think the teams that are losing are really expecting a lot out of compensatory picks. And I tweeted this out yesterday. Compensatory picks are basically a crapshoot unless you expect to lose a franchise quarterback. Um, the best player at a skill position. Yeah, like or like a young guy in his prime or whatever. Or, yeah. or a, a linebacker that gets overpaid. So if you're losing somebody like C.J. Mosley or Nick Foles. Jordan Hicks. Jordan Hicks. I mean, that's going to happen. Um, I mean, you're going to get a low third-round pick for it. Outside of that, like, granted you get more assets out of thin air, but... If I'm the NFL, I want to get rid of compensatory picks or at least limit how many compensatory picks you can get because this is turning into a situation where they're not getting great trades out of it outside of the occasional Jalen Ramsey deal. And I think that's a problem because when you look at the hype that's surrounded this trade deadline, it was unlike any other before. You know, I mean... The one trade, like you said, was the Miami Dolphins, who are 0 and 600, 0 and 7, yeah. um, trading for a veteran that they're That's just never gonna gonna, play who's no, yeah. I mean, it was a you know, it was an NBA trade. Yeah. They do trades like this happen in NBA all the time, where a team attaches a draft pick to a player to get rid of his contract. They trade it to a team who has salary cap space and doesn't isn't going anywhere. And I'm surprised more NFL teams don't do that. To be honest with you. Yeah, um, I mean the only other trade I can think of like that is the Brock Osweiler from the yeah that was like and that was like a significant one because of the amount of money that they were paying right. for it. But and, and the weird thing is like NBA contracts are are almost all of them are fully guaranteed mm-hmm. and the NFL ones aren't. So I I think they can release Talib and don't even really have to pay him that much. Well, he's in the last year of his contract, yeah, yeah. so that you might as well just have yeah, exactly. So then you don't have the dead money. Yeah, um, yeah. But um, so back to the Eagles. Like so, okay, I understand that the the main guys. They were rumored for were costing too much. I also have pointed out in the past that the Eagles almost never get the guys that they're rumored for. By the way, um, like 
either, even if you're going to training for like a minor addition, they, they needed an upgraded defensive tackle. Albert Huggins and Anthony Rush aren't going to cut it. Um, and a wide receiver, like you're telling me you can't find a better, someone better than Matt Collins on the trade market for a fifth or a sixth round pick. Like, I, I don't believe that. Yeah, I don't either. Um, I think this is a weird situation for the Eagles because they have gone all in on this veteran roster, and then they're just... But they like, also kind of aren't going all in at the same time. Well, that's what I mean. It's a conflicting reality here you because... Want to get younger and older at the same time. Right. They have made some bargain trades. The Cyprian for Duke Riley thing was clearly with the draft pick in mind. Duke Riley has played... 72 snaps on special teams and nine snaps on defense, but clearly that role could be filled by somebody like Paul Wurlow if they really wanted to have him around. Um, I think when you look at the uh, Gennard Avery trade, which I guess is a good transition, I, the, a lot of people thought that the fourth round pick was a lot to give up, but technically it's a fifth round pick in value because when you trade a pick from two years from now, it's basically a round lower in value. That's how it's viewed. Yeah, typically in the trade values chart. That kind of makes sense. Um, so essentially they gave up a, a fifth-round pick for him, um, and he was a fifth-round pick. In they clearly like him, though, if they're giving up. like. Yeah, he's interesting. He could be like a Philip Hunt-style, yeah. like undersized pass rusher. I don't necessarily get why you had to make the move. Especially when he was not really going to help this that much this year, you would think. Well, he also creates an interesting dynamic where um, there's a bug in here. Yeah, just like like walking around randomly, and Zach doesn't like bugs. (laughs) It's like a thing with him. They're just gross. Okay, they are. (laughs) Um, So, uh, what's interesting to me is they were basically negotiating against themselves because Avery wasn't playing in Cleveland, like you said. He was also he played playing, five snaps this year. He was also playing out of position, so it was like kind of weird that you would give up an asset like a fourth-round pick. For a guy who was a healthy scratch all year. Yeah. Right, and a fourth-round pick comes with the stigma of maybe they'll develop into a role player. I mean, then on top of that, trading that fourth-round pick, you are now putting your current fourth-round pick in a bind because, you know, Sharif Miller's never getting on the field now. Yeah, they uh, used fourth-round picks in consecutive years on defensive ends and why they've now used their 2021 fourth round pick on a defensive end yeah maybe this year they'll go for a defensive (laughs) tackle but um you know you look at josh sweat has been developing i know seven defensive ends now by the way yeah and you know bruce hector unfortunately drew the short straw Um, uh he was the he technically qualified for the third straight week of a veteran getting cut the day after starting yeah that's yeah i guess better he technically more than a rookie yeah (laughs) he's more than a rookie um Uh, anyway, I was going to make a musical joke, but I can't. Uh, Zach's, Zach's told me I can't anymore. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just a weird trade to make. I fi- You and I figured Deshaun Hall would be the first guy to get the... Uh, the axe. The axe. Uh, Bruce Hector made sense. Here's why, they, here's why it made sense that Bruce Hector got cut. Because Albert Huggins and Anthony Rush, who you brought up earlier... They have to stay on the roster. They have to stay on the roster for three... Well, they're guaranteed three... They don't have to, but you... Oh, but the money is guaranteed. But the money is guaranteed for three weeks. Whereas Hector, they can bounce back and forth, yeah. Right. So, and you look at the injuries that they have. Darren Sproles coming back to practice, but may not... But it's probably going to be limited. Might not come back this week, probably after the bye. If, if Miles Sanders, who didn't practice during the open portion uh, of Wednesday's session, doesn't return for this week, and they decided to just give him the bye week, D'Angelo Henderson's a guy that's probably going to get the uh, the push-up, the call-up. Boston Scott has shown some flashes on offense. 
Uh, what, if, what, the, if, what if they rolled with two running backs? <laughs> man, and two tight ends. And two tight ends. Ooh, like, girl. It, it wouldn't shock you if they did that, right? It would, actually. It would shock you. Yeah, yeah, because. I don't know, they're kind of weird. Because Scott's way. also the punt returner, too. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and I don't know I if I'm. You kind of have to pull him off of that if he's your number well, two. Right, exactly. Back, yeah. But then you're putting what? Yeah. You're putting Nelson out there. And then <laughs> on top of that, then you have Deshaun, who's probably not full speed. I mean, it's a, it's a mess. I mean, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't say it's a guaranteed no that Sproles plays this week, by the way. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't either. Depends but, how practice goes. But I'm yeah. going to guess that they hold him out to the bye week. That's just my guess. Um, it'd be great if. They decided, you know, let's give the day off, that week off to Sanders, let him just recover, so then he'll have two weeks. Kind of feels headed that way, yeah. Right, and then Sproles can serve in, in, as the punt returner, and then you just give the majority of the touches to Howard and Scott. That, actually, that makes it So he's, he's, like, active, but he's only the returner kind of thing? Yeah, that makes sense to me, but um, this is going to be the Howard show this week. And uh, it already has Revenge been. game. It already has been. I mean, the majority of Doug Peterson's press yeah. conferences have been based around Jordan Howard, I didn't, uh, Mike I didn't hear, Rose. I didn't hear Matt Nagy, but I'm sure he was asked quite a bit about him. Yeah, uh, I didn't either. Is it Nagy or Nagy? It's Nagy. Nagy, okay. Um, but yeah, I. Uh, this is going to be an interesting week because, like I said, you're, this is a very aggressive defense. Chuck Pagano calls. It's not, I mean, it's a little bit different than what Vic Fangio had last year. But they're going to be aggressive. They're going to blitz. They're going to send more than four. You can take advantage of that with the screen game like they did against Buffalo. And I, I think that Jordan Howard's proven himself as a pass catcher a little bit over the last few weeks. I also think he's going to be out for – he's going to be seeing red. Yeah. Uh, and I think he's going to have a big game this week. Before we go a little more into the personal on the roster, just to put a bow on the not doing a trade discussion. Like, what? why – I know – I'm guessing the main reason why they didn't make any major moves is they're banking on all these guys coming back. Mm-hmm. Like, what did you make of Howie not making a move? I mean, he clearly feels like Deshaun's going to return at the at worst seems, by the bye week. But it seems so sketchy to, re- to re- rely on him as heavily as they have already, and it, and that's been a problem. I guess he figures he's made his bed. I mean, here's the yeah. thing that that I find like asinine about the situation. So Mac Hollins is his immediate replacement at the Z receiver spot. Um. Through the seven games that he's played the majority of the snaps, Matt Collins has 29 less yards and two less touchdowns than Deshaun Jackson, who only caught passes in week one. That's bananas, okay? That's ridiculous. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he hasn't been – He's. I think he's been targeted once in the last five games or four games, whatever. Not much better either way. Um, so I think when you're playing 50-plus snaps and you're asked to do other things, I'm doing fake quotation marks, I think that's ridiculous. Like, even Riley Cooper, when he was struggling here, and they said, oh, well, he can block well. He caught passes still. Um, yeah. It's just it's just like saying, hey, what do you have to say about Clayton Thorson? Well, he's tall. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So, um yeah, this has been that's been a huge miss for them. I don't know why they've had so much faith in Nelson Aguilar, who's clearly regressed. Well, I, mean, I think it's because they don't have any other options is the problem. Right, but you oh, had to find in, in terms of like trading for yourself. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there were guys that weren't getting any playing time in, in places like Cleveland and Jacksonville. Yeah, like bottom of the depth chart guys. Like, yeah, I, for sure. I get those guys are going to win you a Super Bowl. But, like, it's speed that you can have down the field. Like, Well, I, I don't even know if they need speed as much as I'm competence. Just saying, like, I'm you just saying, I mean? in theory, just get a guy in here who has some potential. Like, Rashard Higgins on the Browns or uh, Robert Foster on the Bills. Like, guys who aren't playing much on their teams who 
are better than Matt Collins. <laughs> like, there'll be times in every game where I'll look on the field and I'll see yeah. Matt Collins and he doesn't know where to line up. It's like a problem. Like, it was a running joke that we weren't sure he was alive for the last year. He, we see him and we physically see him on the field, but I'm still not exactly sure. Yeah, he's like Casper <laughs> the Friendly Ghost. You see him around, he's a super nice guy, you know. He went and out... Carson Wentz said he's a great teammate today. Yeah, <laughs> he went out with his little... How did... Casper dying in the movie, like the. Um, I've seen the movie in a while. Uh, well, whatever. I, there's a Geico commercial that's brought him back, which I think is interesting. Um, yeah, I, I saw that actually the other day. I used to love that movie, Christina Ricci and yeah. Bill Pullman. Who voiced the the ghost again? It was somebody. It, it, he didn't actually voice the ghost, but his human form was Devin Sawa. Respect. Yeah. <laughs> Final Destination. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna look up who voiced him because I think it's a big name. Anyway, while this he's is, looking that this, up... This is important stuff, guys. Uh, basically, Matt Collins needs to be ghosted in this lineup as the Z, as the Z receiver, okay? Uh, that's a thing. Um, Come on, IMDb. You know. Okay, it's a guy I've never heard of, actually. Yeah, there kidding. you go. So Malachi I, Person. That's my uh, name. Hey. <laughs> get that money, Malachi. Um, so, yeah, to put a bow on the trade deadline... I didn't think they needed defensive tackle help that severely because clearly Jernigan was eventually coming back. I thought they needed defensive line help in general. The pass rush has seemingly come on, so yeah. I was a little surprised that Avery was the move. Um, cornerback, they... I, I mean, it's abundantly clear that they feel like once those guys get back into the lineup that they're going to be able to play at a high level. I think if you look at how well they played against Buffalo, they did play well. I think I think a lot of people can make sense of the weather and whatever, and that certainly helped them. Jim Schwartz even said that. But I do think that Jalen Mills offers a sense of confidence to this DB group. Sidney Jones was the uh, clear weakest link in, in nickel coverage, but Avante Maddox is coming back, who didn't really have a great run before he got injured this season. On top of that, Craven LeBlanc could come back in the next few weeks or after the bye. Look, the fact that he hasn't practiced yet isn't a great sign, but yeah, he should, in theory, should be soon. Yeah, I mean, I've talked to him before. He seems pretty optimistic, so I don't know. Maybe originally I was I was thinking, well, maybe they're not putting activating him because they thought they could make a deal at the deadline, or um, maybe they have to figure out who they'd cut uh, because they do seem to like Craig James quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, I, uh, wide receiver was the so position. They can carry eight cornerbacks and seven defensive ends. Then, hey, more power to him. Wide receiver to me is was the position. Linebacker, you could argue, but wide receiver was the position. Eagles aren't trading for a linebacker, <laughs> right? Exactly. I well, unless they're trading a guy who never plays for a better uh, pick. Yeah, <laughs> um, we should put because we'll get that in the comment section. You know, we will. Um, but yeah, I, I think wide receiver was the position. It seemed like they were going after Darius Slay. Who I would have traded a first round pick for because that they haven't had a number one corner since Asante Samuel's here, and that and he's under contract for next year, right? And you're probably going to extend him to make his cap number even better. So, yeah, I mean to put a bow on that, it was either a wide receiver or Darius Slay to me, and that was it. And they didn't do either. So I would say we we both were disappointed in the Eagles' the trade deadline strategy. <laughs> yeah, you wrote about it. I did write about it. Um. All right, so the big news, uh, we kind of briefly mentioned it a little bit here, is Deshaun Jackson. Uh, I was skeptical that this would be the week he comes back. Now I'm starting to, to flip, um, seeing him out there practicing. He, he was going a little light, and I'm sure he's pretty sure he's only doing individuals. But I don't think he's a guy that necessarily needs to do team drills before he plays because I don't know how often he even does them anyway, just knowing his 
he generally rests during practice, even when he's healthy. So, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little more. I, I still would hold him another week. I don't think it's worth the risk. I think they can beat the Bears without him. It would certainly help to have him on the field, and even if he's just there as a decoy. Um, but what, what do you make of the possibility that he's back on Sunday? I agree with you. I think this is kind of window dressing, so they have to prepare for Deshaun Jackson, um, which is smart. I think Darren Sproles is the same way. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't rush any of these guys back. I do think Avante Maddox would definitely benefit this defense if you were out there. That said, I feel I would, like he's going to play probably. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, he was in full pads today, yeah. and and he was limited on Friday. Yeah, I think they wanted to get that going, and it was a matter of a head in, head neck injury, and I think. They've taken all the precautions. I'm pretty sure you said it last week that he's probably already been cleared. They're just kind of holding him for the sake of holding him. Um, it'd be nice to get his confidence back. I do think the best look they can give at this point is Jalen Mills, Avante Maddox, and Ronald Darby. They clearly feel that way too, um, at least as long as Craven LeBlanc sidelined. And I think, you know, what helps with Avante is Avante can play all three spots. So let's say you have another Ronald Darby injury. Douglas can go in there and play during, you know, nickel nickel package with Avante in the slot. And then you can do Mills and, and, and um, Maddox outside in base. So I think once Craven LeBlanc comes back, that could kind of circle the – we'll know how they feel about Sidney Jones because I don't think Sidney Jones will be active. We, we might even – Oh, that's a good point, actually. So we, we'll find out even this week if Maddox is... Um, actually, maybe not as much this week, because I'm sure Maddox won't play the full amount of snaps well, that he plays. Well, here's what's interesting, right? Sidney yeah. Jones really doesn't play that much on special teams. No. And you can't and have Rasul a... did play on special teams, right? Yeah, Rasul does. Um, Rasul's also the main backup to the outside spots, so you're going to have him. But... Uh, Craig James has been playing. And he's, ahead, he's, he's been a gun- and he's apparently ahead of uh, Sydney on the depth chart on the outside. Yeah, he's been a gunner too, and he has slot experience. So I don't know. That's <laughs> gonna be fun. Um, <laughs> hey, and it would be nice to only have two inactives, two extra, you know, two healthy scratches this week. Yeah, true. Um, Usually it's like all injured guys. Yeah. Um, what else do we want to talk about? Um, Zachariah. <laughs> well, we touched on uh, Miles Sanders. So I guess so. Gennard Avery. Do you actually envision him like playing much at all this season? Yeah, I think post bye week, I think you Once can see him in the, road, the defense and stuff. Uh, Jeff McLean of uh, TheInquirer.com had mentioned that Vinny Curry could have been available in trade. I have not really noticed Vinny in the last three or four weeks. While the defensive line has picked up the pressure packages, I think Derek Barnett is coming alive with the sound of music. Um, and I see, think that was actually pretty funny. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and Brandon Graham. I feel like um, you know when it's funny because I give you crap otherwise. <laughs> I, I mean, Brandon Graham wants to give them some more. Uh, yeah, see? That's me. Just when you're fine, you go try again. But and Graham, you know, Graham. Anyway, I'm the podcast now, guys. Goodbye. Anyway, so Brandon Graham, I think, is having – he had an unreal four-game stretch, I think. I mean, this team was struggling, but uh, during... He, he's been awesome. He has been awesome. He stopped. He set the edge really... And the thing that should scare teams right now is Fletcher Cox has, come, like, has yeah. just woke... Yeah, you've woken the beast. He was hibernating for six weeks. I mean, I don't know what... A, what it, I've never been in the situation before, but I don't know what holding a shotgun when a man's breaking windows... <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what man, he needed. You know? but, um, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, he's a guy that I... He played so aggressive and so angry against the Bills. Yeah, Yeah. and listen, um, the Bears' offensive line is not good. Yeah, this could be one of those games, especially with the home. A year ago, it was very good. Kyle Long's injured. I don't know what happened with the rest of it. The interior's kind of, kind of weak sauce. But um, 
it's going to be interesting to see how this team brings pressure at home. The Bears do not score a lot. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Allen Robinson's. Their running game is not very good. Why would you trade a six, a conditional sixth round pick for, uh, trade for a conditional sixth round pick to give up Jordan Howard? <laughs> it's one of the most perplexing moves of the entire offseason. Jack Del Rio and Chris Mortensen of ESPN both said that it was the best value trade of the entire season. Like they said that recently? Yesterday. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. see that. Were they talking about this game? No, they were talking about the trade oh. in general. They were talking about value trades. It's not the best trade overall, but it's the best value trade. Yeah, for it, relative to value, it's fantastic. And when you look at what Jordan Howard's done, he's easily going to get a thousand all-purpose yards, but he could get a thousand rushing yards this season, which I believe he'd be the first guy since, since Shady. Yeah. yeah, because he's got four forty-three right now. Yeah, he's on pace for like nine eighty-six or something like that. Right. Yeah. I think in this game he's going to get over the hundred mark. Yeah, I mean, because if you think about it, the first couple weeks, he was barely touching the ball, so right. kind of skews the. If you do the projections based on like the last five games as opposed to all eight. I think he probably is projected to right. go for 1,000, yeah. Um, and he's a guy that I think they've realized is going to stir the drink for this running game. Miles Sanders is a change-of-pace guy who can make big plays. Uh, I like the two-back look. We've talked about it before. They finally used it against the Bills, and it worked because Jordan Howard basically played fullback, which I think is really smart. Um, and Doug Peterson admitted Monday that you know teams are focused on Sanders in the passing game, like I said. So what do you do? You make them pick their poison. And I think that can really be an asset for them moving forward. All right. Um, we can wrap up. So we'll, we'll do some reader comments. But first, uh, so we we won't go game by game. You guys can go to NJ.com. We did a story just like projecting the rest of the season now. I had them finishing 9-7 and seven and just missing. You had them going 10-6 and six and winning the NFC East. Mm-hmm. Why do you believe that will happen? Because I think when if they can if they can get a win against the Seahawks, that's going to propel them into bigger. Yeah, I, I kind of view that as a swing game, also. I think that that's like the game where I think they're going to lose to the Patriots. Uh, we both do. Uh, they're going to have one upset loss down the stretch because they always do. Yeah. Um, Feels like the Giants maybe is a good yeah. The Giants right was was who I had. Sorry, spoiler alerts. But read our explanations anyway. Um, <laughs> But I think when you, if they can beat Seattle and they can beat Dallas, they are going to win this division. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. I mean, you ultimately have to beat Dallas to win this division. I think. Like, right. There's no way. Unless, unless they the tailspin. Cowboys completely tailspin, which is possible. They have a, like, the schedule's pretty much flipped because right. the NFC East teams have mostly the same opponents. So the Cowboys' second half is like the Eagles' first half. So it's like, it wouldn't be, that's why I think this division's going to come down to that game because of that. Because they're mm-hmm. going to be like, they're kind of going to be hovering around the same record. Around 500 for the rest of the way, I imagine. Um, and the I, Giants are in position to play spoiler so, if you really want to. Yeah, yeah, for too. sure. Uh, so I, I do think the Seahawks game is a swing game. Um, Russell Wilson is a scary proposition for any team, but this defense has struggled against him in the past. And fast quarterbacks who can also throw, because Josh Allen need, is missing that part of the equation. Uh, fast quarterbacks who can also throw have always been an issue for this, this team, especially sure. Jim Schwartz. They, they, they tend to struggle to, to close out against fast quarterbacks. They did um, try this. Um, they tried to spy on Josh Allen, and it actually worked pretty well for the most part when Nate Gary wasn't coming off his assignment. But they did like a four linebacker look for about, I think it was five to six plays against the Bills, and it worked pretty well. Um, where instead of the big safety look with the three safeties or a regular nickel look, you had four linebackers. It was Duke Riley, Nathan Gary, Camus Hill, and TJ Edwards. And they were able to stop Josh Allen for the most part. So I wouldn't be surprised if they showed that look against Seattle. I also like the running game against Seattle's defense. Yeah. 
All right, and so let's wrap up the first half with uh, with this. Let's hand out some awards. Who do you think is the offensive MVP? Jordan Howard. I'd say Brandon Brooks. Yeah, um, I, yeah. Those are the only two real candidates. Honestly. I mean, Brandon Brooks, I think, is the best player on the yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, uh, defensive MVP. Brandon Graham. Yeah, Brandon Graham. Brandon Graham, who's been the most disappointing player on the team. Nelson Aguilar, not even a question. Especially we both kind of thought he was going to have a pretty yeah, good year. Not a question. It's um, let's see what other kind of stuff we got. Uh, rookie, who, what rookie has impressed you the most? I guess it's probably just Miles Sanders by default. Miles Sanders by default, but Andre Dillard's got the juice. Our I Sega, will say the White Side's been a pretty big disappointment too. By yeah, the way. I will say T.J. Edwards has been fantastic since he's yeah, over the last. I think two he's weeks. technically the highest graded linebacker in the NFL by Pro Football Focus. Yeah, he's definitely, a, he's definitely. Yeah, he's definitely <laughs> the Eagles' highest rated defensive player. Yeah. Um, uh, so, who is there anyone in the second half of the season that hasn't maybe broken out or stood out that you think has a good second half? Well, I think Fletcher Cox, right? Um, yeah, that's but, a fair one. But like outside of the obvious names, I guess. Josh Sweat. Yeah, it's Josh Sweat season, I think. I think Vinny Curry is going to be slowly phased out of the rotation. I do too. Um, there's, also, a, there's a report that he was even being shopped. I don't know who would take him. Yeah. But. I would say Avante Maddox if he can oh. kind of regain his footing. I think Jalen Mills is like uh, you and I have always been skeptical of his value. I think it was kind of like it, with Rodney McLeod too, um, where we were just kind of skeptical. Like he was like good and he was a contributor. The things he's good at are really important for this defense, right? So. The intangibles are what's important yeah. too, and I think. I think Jalen Mills. They missed. They really did miss it. Like just his demeanor and his personality. Honestly, I, I think I think his presence alone yeah. is very important to that defense. He's looked I mean, pretty good these last two games. Yeah, I mean, you know, hey, yeah. whatever. I mean, I'm, we'll see. If, I mean, he's he's in a contract year, so it's big for him over the next eight weeks. Um, and then, like, so how many how many of these last eight games do you think Sean Jackson plays? Six, six of eight. I think that's fair. All right, uh, let's read some comments before we get going. We haven't done that in a little bit because there's a lot of chaos over last week. So, Um, oh yeah, this is reference I made where I said that Miles and uh, Jordan Howard are soulmates. Jamie and Candace Palmer, your favorite uh, couple commenters, (laughs) soulmates, huh? I agree. Extend Howard. Miles and Howard is an awesome two-headed monster. This is before the trade deadline, by the way. So let's trade for Anderson and get a speedster. They did not do that. (laughs) Lyndon Brown. Says, in order to contend going further, we must make a trade at DTLB and wide receiver. At least two out of those positions. We can't beat Dallas with this roster, in my opinion. Can't keep relying on DJX to come back. I think those are all fair criticisms and yeah. pretty much said that. And they didn't get any of those positions, so you're probably angry. Cheapskate Coins says LeBlanc and Maddox at 50% are both better than Sidney Jones at 100%. I don't know if the math <laughs> lines up, but all right. <laughs> oh, man, that's pretty funny. Um, a wretch like the... Okay, no, he's... No, you should know. what He's mad that it was in the trending news section, but I don't really have control over that. Sorry, guy. Um, uh, let's see here. Brent Donaldson says, Howard and Sanders should be the Eagles' backfield future going forward. They are a perfect combo. We both have said that they should extend Howard. Mm-hmm. I still th- believe that, and they should do it before the end of the year, honestly. I think it'll happen. Yeah, I wonder how much he makes. I could see him getting something around like the Mark Ingram contract or something like that. Yeah. Probably like five mil a year. You think that's fair? Yeah, I think he gets six. But six, yeah. yeah. Um, let's see, this is a guy talking about trades, trades. <laughs> uh, let's see. Kaleo Kamekona says, "What do you guys think about them picking up Deshaun Sheed, Shade Sheed? If they don't trade for a corner, I saw him. He worked out for the Lions. I don't. They're not." They're, they're not going to sign any cornerbacks. Yeah, I don't, I don't If they were going to get any, it was going to have to be an upgrade via trade. Right. 
Um, let's see here. Rob McElhaney. I don't think that's the actual one from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. That would be cool if you listened to this. Uh, Howie Roseman didn't want to give up what the Lions were asking for, so they failed to land Darius Slay. Detroit may have asked for a first-rounder. Yeah, I feel like they probably did ask for a first-rounder. Uh, let's see here. Someone says the trade Darby. Uh, I don't think that was going to happen. Let's see. It's a lot of trade stuff since it's well on Sunday, but... Love to see Patrick Peterson and AJ Green. Neither of whom got traded. All right. Um, any last thoughts before we get going? It's Bears week. We're finally going to cover a home game again. Yeah, and it's going to be a 1 o'clock. It feels, weird oh, prepare- my gosh. it feels weird not preparing for a road game right now. Yeah, well, because then you have to write everything in advance because you got a day of travel and you do, eh, I'm not going to bore you with the details. <laughs> It is a little Although that's it is nice to be able to leave the stadium and go work at home as opposed to the hotel. Especially for a one o'clock game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yikes. Stoked. And by the way, I should say, Mike paused the podcast at one point to go and murder a bug. What, what a guy. He's, he's a really a soldier for it's, us. It's, for a sacri- it's, it's a sacrificial, uh, <laughs> it's a sacrifice for this week. Um, <laughs> many blessings. Uh, I, I think what's interesting about this Eagles team moving forward is. They're a team that went to Green Bay and got a huge win and then blew out the Jets and then immediately just the rails fell off for two weeks. Or the fell off the rails. The, yeah, they fell off the rails, sorry. <laughs> if the rails falling off is bad too. Yeah, I mean Nothing all things, to, you know, all things <laughs> considered. Um but then they bounced back in this game and it was a very good win for them. Uh, I don't think it was. I think the Bills are a little bit overrated, but I think yes. it was a good win. Yeah, it's not like their back win. Right. This isn't the Jets game, but it was like the Packers game. It well, was even a good the Jets win. game, we were like, don't really take much of what happened here. Right. And then they went and got blown out two weeks in a row. So. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I think their ability to handle adversity, you know, via the the internal conflicts and injuries and everything like that. It'll be interesting to see how this team moves forward. I think they're in a position to win the division. Do they win the division? I don't know. They should beat the Bears. I'll say that. Oh, um, for sure. Pretty but disappointing if they lost. Like, going into the bye week. For sure. For sure. For sure. All right, we'll, uh, we'll end on that note. Um, as always, leave us some comments. We'll read them on the next episode on Friday, our preview pod. Uh, write reviews on Apple. And uh, thanks for listening, guys. Deuces.